Welcome back to General Zen Napoleon, Episode 5, Marshal Udino, Duke of Reggio, and the Indestructible Marshal. If there was a Tony Stark of the Napoleonic era, it would have been Marshal Udino. This Iron Man sustained 34 known injuries during battle, and goodness knows how many unknown wounds. Here are some of the ones that we know of. A gunshot wound at the Battle of Hagenau in 1794. A broken leg at Treves that same year when he fell from a horse. Five saber wounds at Neckarau during a night attack. Another four saber cuts and a gunshot wound to the thigh at Newburgh in 1796. A gunshot wound to the chest at the Battle of Zurich in 1799. A bullet wound in 1805 at Heilbrunn. A gunshot wound in the left arm at the Battle of Aspern Essling in 1809. Another bullet wound that same year at the Battle of Wagram. Hit by grape shot in 1812 at Polotsk. And a bullet wound to the side that same year at Berezina, which was never fully extracted. All of this, and he still lived to 80 years old when he died of natural causes. Allegedly, years after the war, Udineau was taking a dip at a spa with a fellow officer. Seeing the scars that covered the marshal's body, he remarked Udineau was nothing more than a colander. Nicolas Charles Oudinot was born in April of 1767 in the Lorraine region of northeastern France. He was the son of a brewer and farmer, also named Nicolas, and his wife Marie-Anne, and he was the only one of their nine children to live to adulthood. As a child, Oudinot was described as kind but unruly. His fiery and commanding character led him to enlist in an army regiment in 1784. In 1789, the townspeople in his hometown of Bar-de-le-Duc organized a company of National Guard, and Udino was chosen as captain. Although he was supportive of the ideals of the French Revolution, he did not approve of mob rule and put down all disturbances in the area. It was also around this time that Oudinot married his first wife, Francois-Charlotte Derlin. She was described as a plump woman who was never seen at court or imperial events. They had five daughters and two sons before she passed in 1810. Two of his daughters would go on to marry Napoleonic generals, Pejol and Laurence. His oldest son, Charles, would also serve Napoleon and rose to major before the end of Napoleon's reign. A year after his marriage, Oudinot was promoted to major and then quickly to colonel. For three years, he led the 3rd Battalion of the Volunteers of Meuse. During this time, Oudinot developed deep emotional bonds with his troops that would be a motif throughout his commands. In his warrior's mind, the only noble death was a death on the battlefield. Quote, Ah, how I love them. 
I know full well I love them. I led them all to death. End quote. In 1794, he was promoted to Brigadier General after conducting a masterful retreat at Kaiser Lauterne. He was briefly made prisoner by the Austrians for three months, but was exchanged for an Austrian general. In 1798, he received a posting as General of Division under the tactically brilliant General Massena in the French Army of Switzerland. During the 1799 victory over the Russians and Austrians at the Battle of Zurich, Odino was promoted to Chief of Staff. Said Massena after the battle, quote, I owe the greatest praise to General Odino on the field of battle. He has assisted me in all of my movements and has seconded me to perfection. In April of the year 1800, Udino was again serving under Massena during the Siege of Genoa, which tied down a large Austrian force while Napoleon was crossing the Alps for his epic victory at Marengo. After a grueling 60 days of starvation, Massena, Udino, and the garrison surrendered, and it was only after Massena insisted the word capitulation not be mentioned anywhere in the surrender document. Udino went home on sick leave, but was back in Italy at the front lines a few months later. In December, at Monzimbano, Udino again showed his dashing courage. An Austrian battery of cannons threw the French army into disorder. Udino dashed forward with a handful of troops straight at the Austrian guns. Ken captured one of them all by himself. A month later, he was sent home to Paris where Napoleon gave him a sword of honor and the individual cannon which he had captured at Monzimbano. During the peace that followed, Udino worked as a corps commander under his friend, General Davout. In 1804, he took command of a division of hand-picked grenadiers. In the armies of the age, grenadiers were usually the largest and most professional soldiers in the ranks. In the mid-17th century, grenadiers were originally soldiers who specialized in throwing grenades during a battle. Grenadiers had to be tall and physically robust enough to hurl these heavy mini-bombs far enough so as not to harm themselves or their comrades. They also had to be disciplined enough to stand in the middle of a fight, light a fuse, and throw it at the appropriate moment so the enemy could not throw it back. Understandably, such requirements led to grenadiers being regarded as an elite fighting force, especially in siege warfare. In the French army, only Napoleon's Imperial Guard was more feared than Oudinot's Infernal Brigade. Around this time, Napoleon held one of his many soldier reviews. During the parade, Udno's horse stopped and refused to go forward. In vain, he tried to spur it forward, but it wouldn't move and attempted to buck him off. An annoyed Udno dismounted, drew his sword, and killed his horse. Napoleon asked him, quote, Is that the way you treat all your horses? End quote. Udno replied that he didn't tolerate insubordination from anyone, including his horse. During the 1805 Ulm campaign, his grenadiers first distinguished themselves. 
Following the combat of Wartingen, the emperor wrote this glowing dispatch of Udno's division, quote, It is impossible to see a finer body of men, more anxious to measure themselves with the enemy, more full of honor, and of that military ardor which promises the greatest results, end quote. Later, in the Battle of Austerlitz, Udno's grenadiers were used as a reserve force for Marshal Sult's men, who captured the Pratzen Heights that secured Napoleon's victory. Previous to this battle, Udno was recovering from yet another wound in a Vienna hospital, but he hurried to the battlefield to take command of his grenadiers. Napoleon was impressed by his dedication and stated, quote, your courage surpasses your strength. I have given your division to General Duroc, end quote. Udino still wished to be involved in the battle and went to Duroc to ask to serve under him. Duroc graciously offered him command of his troops, to which Udino responded, quote, My dear general, remain at the head of my brave grenadiers. We will fight side by side, end quote. Following peace with Austria, Udno conducted some diplomatic work in Neuchâtel on Berthier's behalf. As we mentioned in episode two, Napoleon gifted this portion of Swiss territory to Berthier for his exceptional work as chief of staff. The citizens of Neuchâtel weren't happy with being ceded to France, especially since England was their biggest trade partner. Before leaving for Neuchâtel, Udineau wrung from Napoleon a promise that this trade should not be interfered with. This shows that the emperor really respected Udineau, as Napoleon detested the British. So grateful were the town citizens that they passed a law making Udineau a citizen of Neuchâtel. Shortly after, Udineau was back on the front lines during France's war with Prussia. The year of 1807 was a busy one for Udino, first helping Marshal Lefebvre during the siege of Danzig. Then in June, Udino was involved in the confusing, inconclusive Battle of Heilsburg. During the fighting, Udino noticed that his emperor was within range of Russian fire and warned him, quote, Sire, if you remain exposed to enemy fire, I will order my grenadiers to seize you and lock you inside a caisson, end quote. Napoleon was disgruntled, but moved to safety as he was convinced that Oudinot would actually carry out his threat. A few days later, at Friedland, Oudinot was with Marshal Lang when they surprised the Russian rearguard and held them pinned against the town and river until Napoleon could order in more troops and destroy them. From six in the evening till noon the next day, Udino's grenadiers fought with great tenacity. Following this decisive battle, the Russian Tsar Alexander sued for peace and met with Napoleon to agree on the Treaty of Tilsit. During this brief interlude of peace, Udino and Marshal Davu amused themselves at night by shooting out candles with their pistols. Ever the respectful one, Udino would always pay for any damage caused to their billets. In 1808, Udino was selected as governor of Erfurt during the meeting of Tsar Alexander of Russia and Napoleon. The emperor had to make sure his eastern front was secure before his subsequent invasion of Spain. 
During the Erfurt meetings, Udino was presented to the Tsar by the Emperor, who said, quote, Sire, I present you the Bayard of the French army, without fear and without reproach, end quote. Apparently, Tsar Alexander was very impressed and responded, quote, I have known him for a long time because my old man Suvarov spoke of him with great respect, end quote. It was also around this time that Napoleon awarded Udino with the title of Count of the Empire and 1 million francs. However, 1809 brought darker times when Napoleon suffered his first setback in a decade during the Battle of Aspernesling. Udino's troops fought resolutely as ever against the Austrians, and with Marshal Lon almost overwhelmed Archduke Charles until they ran low on ammunition. The next day, Marshal Lon was mortally wounded with a cannonball, and Udino took over his corps. After Napoleon called in troops from around the empire, the French defeated the Austrians at the Battle of Wagram. It was a massive battle, with each army firing over 90,000 rounds of artillery. During the second day of the battle, Udino's corps was ordered to form a holding force and not attack unless attacked themselves. However, Udino disobeyed orders when he saw an opportunity to capture the town of Wagram and thus ordered his troops to cross the Rossbach stream and push back the Austrians. His contribution helped clinch the victory. The next day, Napoleon summoned him and asked, quote, Do you realize what you did yesterday? End quote. To which Udino responded, quote, Sire, I hope I did not do my duty too badly, end quote. To which Napoleon responded, quote, that is just what you did, and you ought to be shot, end quote. The conversation could have gone either way at this point, as the day before, Napoleon had sent home and disgraced Marshal Bernadotte for his constant bungling. Instead, Napoleon made Udino a marshal and dubbed him Duke of Reggio, with Reggio being a town in Italy. This new dukedom gave him an annual endowment of 100,000 francs. Among the complimentary letters on his promotion to marshal was one from Tsar Alexander, whose troops Udino had helped defeat at Friedland just two years before. Quote, To express to you my pleasure with which I heard of your promotion to the rank of marshal, it is as sincere as the esteem in which I hold you. It is always a matter of satisfaction to me to recall the day upon which I made your acquaintance. End quote. In 1810, Udino was given command of the Army of the North, and his conciliation skills were needed as the Dutch were absorbed into the French Empire. At Napoleon's order, his younger brother Louis Bonaparte had abdicated the throne of Holland. The emperor was unhappy with the Dutch continuing their trade with the British and thus sabotaging the continental system. Udino's forces moved in to complete the occupation. As the mayor of Amsterdam handed the keys of the city to Udino, he broke down in tears. Udino supportively responded by saying, quote, Oh, come now, don't cry like that, or I'll do the same, and then we'll both look silly. End quote. In 1812, on the eve of the invasion of Russia, 
the 45-year-old Udino married again. She was the 20-year-old Eugenie de Cusi, who was born in a family of old nobility. Eugenie was impressed by the esteem the marshal had amongst the men. His new bride accompanied the marshal in carriage to the town of Munster, where he took command of the Second Corps of the Army. In her later memoirs, Eugenie recounted this moment, quote, I perceived a group of men on horseback who came crowding around the carriage. Manly, jovial, resounding voices all simultaneously addressed the marshal, who recognized by voice each of the generals who were to find themselves under his orders. All spoke at once, each gave his name to make sure of being recognized, and in each name the marshal seemed to find a friend. Of those 10 or 12 generals, all in the prime of life, and not one remained alive after the invasion, end quote. As part of the invasion force, Oudinot, Marshal MacDonald, and General St. Cyr were to secure the left flank of the main force under Napoleon as he drove deep into Russia. It was Oudinot's first truly independent command. At the Battle of Polotsk, Oudinot was wounded by grapeshot and handed command over to St. Cyr. This proved fortuitous for St. Cyr, who won the battle the next day and was awarded his marshal's baton. A few weeks later, Oudinot had recovered and was back in command. Thankfully, his corps did not take part in the bloody battle of Borodino or in the subsequent retreat from Moscow. Thus, his corps was one of the few mostly intact units in the Grand Army. Battling freezing weather and poor maps, Oudinot and Marshal Victor's corps met up with Napoleon's remnant force. The emperor was overjoyed to see both marshals. With three Russian armies totaling 140,000 men bearing down on the imperial army, Napoleon needed Oudinot and Victor to distract the enemy and protect his flanks as his engineers built a bridge over the Berezina River. Napoleon's troops only numbered 49,000, and most of his engineers died from exposure while working neck deep in a freezing river. During the protecting action, Oudinot was wounded again, taking a bullet deep into his side that his doctor could not extract. He was hurried to a small shack to recuperate with his aides. They were soon attacked by a band of Cossacks supported by cannon. They threatened to destroy the little cottage unless the French surrendered. Oudinot leapt to his feet, asked for his pistols and his grand cordon of the Legion of Honor. Quote, if they take me alive, at least they will see who I am. End quote. Inspired by his defiance, the small band held off the Cossacks until rescued by some French cavalry. However, before leaving, the Cossacks fired one last cannon, which hit a beam on the roof, and fell on Oudinot's head. The wounded marshal was put on a carriage and hurried back to France. He recovered during the early part of 1813, but was back in action for the Battle of Bautzen on May 20th. His corps anchored the right side of Napoleon's battle lines and helped secure a win after a vicious battle. Following this success, Napoleon entrusted Oudinot with an independent command for the march on Berlin. 
Napoleon felt this move might knock Prussia out of the war and divide the Allies. Unfortunately, independent command was not Oudinot's strong suit. He and Marshal Ney were like unguided missiles on the battlefield. They needed Napoleon or a strong personality like Massena or Lan to point them in the right direction. On August 19th, the day the march began, torrential rains hit Oudinot's three corps. There were only a few roads to approach Berlin, so Oudinot's attack was piecemeal, and he was eventually beaten by Prussian General Bulow and his former brother, Marshal Bernadotte, who had turned against Napoleon after he was offered the throne of Sweden. Oudinot suffered 3,000 casualties and eventually retreated. Napoleon fumed, quote, It is truly difficult to have fewer brains than the Duke of Reggio, end quote. He was replaced by Marshal Ney for a second attempt to conquer Berlin, but this attack was also beaten back. Oudinot was recalled to lead the Young Guard during the Battle of Leipzig and fought with his customary bravery. After Napoleon's defeat at Leipzig, Oudinot was ordered to serve as the rear guard and protect the French army's retreat. During the early part of 1814, the marshal was with Napoleon during the last throes of the empire. On April 4th, he agreed with the other marshals that the emperor should abdicate. When King Louis XVIII returned, he gave Oudinot command of the 3rd Military Division at Metz. During Napoleon's return during the Hundred Days, Oudinot wisely remained on the sidelines, supporting neither the emperor nor the fleeing King Louis XVIII. Oudinot's refusal to serve Napoleon permanently damaged his lifelong friendship with Marshal Davout. Napoleon felt his young wife was making his decisions for him. Oudinot and his wife went on to have four children between 1816 and 1822 and maintained their good standing with the restored Louis XVIII. In 1823, the marshal saw battle service once again when the French army was sent into Spain to help restore King Ferdinand to his throne. In 1842, he was made governor of Les Invalides, taking over the post from Marshal Monsi. I'm sure he thoroughly enjoyed this position, taking care of old comrades and telling war stories all day long. He held this post until his death in 1847 at age 80. The only two marshals to outlive him were Soult and Marmont. His wife, Eugenie, passed 21 years later in 1868 at the age of 76. Oudinot had a battle record of seven wins and eight losses, so clearly not one of Napoleon's best subordinates when left on his own. However, so well-respected was the marshal that he actually received awards and decorations from territories he helped conquer. In 1813, from Bavaria, he received the Grand Cross of the Military Order of Max Joseph. From Prussia, in 1817, the Grand Cross of the Order of the Red Eagle and Black Eagle. From Russia, in 1824, Knight of the First Class Grand Cross of the Order of St. Vladimir. Upon the Marshal's death in 1847, the Marshal's son received the following letter from Tsar Nicholas of Russia. Quote, I have received the letter which you addressed to me to inform me of the death of the venerable Marshal Udino, 
your father. A man whose name stood out among the first in an epic so fertile in great captains. The marshal's fine actions and loyal character had earned from him the esteem and affection of my late brother, the Emperor Alexander. And I know that the marks of honor which he received from him had always left a grateful remembrance in his heart. End quote. Oudinot was not just one of Napoleon's most important paladins, but the army's too. To conclude, I'd like to use this statement from 1809, after Napoleon's victory at Bagram. At that time, three martial batons were awarded. Quote, MacDonald is France's choice. Marmont is friendship's choice. And Oudinot is the army's choice. I believe this is a good spot to end our episode. Join us again next time when we will learn about Marshal Bruin. Thanks for joining us.